The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to an Employment Law Show. John Scholes here. Andrew Goldberg is uh, taking all and doing all the heavy lifting this morning. The phone line's already open here on Saturday. Give us a call, 416-870-6400. Everything you need to know about your employment rights in this very turbulent time to be uh, uh, you know, part of the workforce in this country in this province in bc uh, as well we're going to talk about a lot of things today try to get to some emails and everything you need to know about termination for cause what it is how to navigate it all that good stuff but to andrew fella you got uh, something to to start the morning off with the week that was a situation that came by your desk or something that somebody or a lot of people should uh, should be aware of how are you pal i'm i'm well good morning and uh and yeah what i wanted to talk about today is almost the week that was and and the few weeks ahead that will be because you know a lot of people as you're aware and you know our listeners are aware and a lot of them are in this situation have been temporarily forced off work by their employer and they were put on something called the idel which is the infectious disease emergency leave and what this is is pretty much a covid related temporary layoff and this is scheduled to end on january 2nd so There are a lot of uh, individuals who have called us, emailed us, that have received letters from their employers saying, hey, you're off work on this uh, COVID leave of absence called IDEL, and this will end January 2nd. So this day is coming up, so I thought it would be fitting to kind of talk about this a bit and what this means for people because, you know, there's a lot of people who have been off work and they're not making any money. They might be making some government government assistance there, but it's nowhere close to their regular wages. So they're sitting there, they're you know running out of money, the holidays are coming up, and at least they're thinking to themselves, okay, finally, I'll be back to work on the second, and if not, my employer will be giving me a severance package, at least they'll get paid out. And why I wanted to speak about this is because, you know, I don't want to disappoint people out there, but the reality is just because this January 2nd date is approaching, it does not mean that your layoff is going to come to an end. And that could happen for one of two reasons. The first is this infectious disease leave, this IDEL, uh, could be extended. So it was already extended once from September to January, and it could be extended again. And even if it's not extended, uh, what an employer might do is try to put you on what's called a regular temporary layoff, which is you know what we've been talking about for years on the show. And uh, that's something that can last up to 35 weeks. So this is just a reminder to people out there, just because this January 2nd date is approaching, if you're on a layoff, it does not mean you'll be recalled to work. However, the good news, I mean, for some people, it depends on uh, if you're looking for a severance or not, but the good news is that this doesn't mean you can't pursue your severance package. A lot of people out there, the vast majority of people out there that are put on a temporary layoff, uh, they've been put on this layoff illegally from the sense that the company had no right to do so in the first place. And with the help of a lawyer, these people can definitely still treat their employment as being terminated and still pursue their severance package. So the the purpose of this kind of discussion was just to let people know out there, if this January 2nd date rolls around and you decide to wait it out till then, and you're not happy with the result and you're still on a layoff, give us a call and we certainly can uh, still look into pursuing a severance for you. 
And by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to get a hold of Andrew Lior, member of their team. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way to do that. Can't they potentially be off until September of next year? Haven't they extended that whole thing as well? Well, yeah. I mean, you're one hundred percent correct. What, assuming that this this IDEL ends on January second, mm-hmm. what the employers could easily do is put the employees who are on this leave on a regular temporary layoff. Uh, these are the layoffs that just existed before COVID, uh, right. the regular ones that were in place. And if you have benefits coverage right now, so a lot of people are on a temporary layoff but still receiving benefits coverage, a health and dental benefits, um, those people can be on a layoff for another 35 weeks, which would take them till September. And I mean, that's just assuming they don't extend this January 2nd deadline. If they do, it could be past uh, September. It could be into 2022, right? Who oh knows? Gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's people who might, by the end of this thing, be on a layoff from March of this year till the end of next year, which is uh, quite uh, baffling to even think about. You don't want to be doing that, but uh, you want to call through and get some information. If you can avoid it, do it. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as I mentioned, one 821 5900 Everything you need to know about termination for cause. A lot of people have heard the term. Maybe they've been through it and not even known it. But, uh, I mean, first question, obviously, Andrew, what is termination for cause? Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, what people often think termination for cause is, is a situation where the employer has a reason to let you go, to terminate your employment and to fire you. So, you know, for example, people are let go and the employer says, oh, well, it's due to restructuring. So a lot of those people mistakenly think, oh, that's a cause that, you know, that's a reason. But but that's not what cause is. What a termination for cause is, is a situation where, you know, an employee has conducted themselves so horribly, so egregiously, uh, so terribly in the workplace that the employer essentially has no choice but to let this person go. Uh, so it, it ties directly into an employee's behavior and conduct, and it's it's almost like a punishment for wrongdoing. Get to another one here. How difficult is it to establish termination for cause? This is interesting for somebody to know because they think it's just an automatic thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It is it's very difficult to establish a termination for cause, a very, very, very high threshold. So, you know, typically 90 plus percent of cases that come through our our door here and, and, you know, come across my desk, uh, the employer might take the position like, you know, you did A, you did B, you, you were late three times and this, that, or the other. The overwhelming likelihood is it's not going to be cause. These are, you know, when a, a termination for cause is only a situation that's kind of the worst of the worst uh, in terms of the offenses you can do in the workplace. You know, theft, uh, you know, severe level of harassment of coworkers. Uh, usually, these things are saved for something uh, that's it's very very bad. So it, it is very difficult to be terminated for cause uh, the vast majority of the time. How about the uh, the length of employment? You're talking somebody who's been there for two years, or someone that's been there for for 22 years. Does that factor into it? It does. The length of employment of the employee certainly factors into it. And that's because the longer you work in a workplace, the harder it's going to be for the employer to say that, you know, you're conducting yourself so horribly that they now have to let you go for cause. If you've been somewhere for 25 years, um, you know, it's very difficult for the employer to say this person's just the worst. It's like, well, why have they been here for 25 years, of course, right? 
So, but if someone's there for a short term, short period of time, uh, you know, it's easier to make the assessment that, you know, we've, we don't think this is a, a person that's, uh, you know, warranted to be in the workplace and their conduct isn't uh, going to be condoned and, and we have to let them go. So the longer you're employed in a, for an employer, the less likely that they'll have a reasonable basis to assert that you're fired for cause. Yeah, I guess it would be kind of, you know, not silly, but I guess it would be kind of weird for, you know, a 25, 30, or even a 10-year employee also to become the, the workplace pariah and start having a list of things they've done wrong and they're doing this wrong today, that wrong tomorrow. It looks like, you know, your spidey sense would go off like, okay, these, this, this place is trying to get rid of me because all of a sudden now I can't do anything right. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, you see that all the time. You see, uh, We see situations all the time where someone has worked somewhere for 30 years at a company and for the first 28 years, they've never received a single warning letter, single discipline, uh, never formally told at all that they've done anything wrong, warranting, uh, you know, anywhere close to a termination for cause. And then suddenly, you know, maybe they hit their 60s and they're getting older and an employer wants a reason to get them out of there or you know, maybe they're getting expensive because they've received raises every year for the past however many years they've worked there and they want some new people to come in at a cheaper rate. And that's when you see employers starting to build up a case against them essentially by, you know, starting to communicate, oh, you're doing this wrong, that wrong, and the other wrong. But really it's just an attempt by the employer to fire someone for cause because if someone is terminated for cause, the big distinction between that and a regular termination is you you may not get your severance package. If a court did find, in fact, that there was cause to terminate your employment, you would not get severance in a lot of cases. So uh, that's why employers try to build up the argument in an effort to avoid pretty much their monetary and legal entitlements to the employee. Which, yeah, which kind of fed to the next question. That is, do you get severance if you're uh, fired for cause? Most people would just walk away saying, you know, guilty is charged, right? Yeah, a lot of people do that. But I mean, the, the main thing that we've discussed now is simply the fact that it's very, very difficult to establish that there's cause to terminate someone's employment. And just because your employer says there is does not mean that there is. Like, I've seen just right. the most bizarre situations where you know, employers are saying, oh, this is cause and that's cause. I had someone contact me the other day and he was an older gentleman and was forced to take a lot of time off work for, you know, significant medical reasons. And his employer went to him full out and said, look, you know, you've taken way too much time off work lately. We can't do this and we have to fire you for cause. And not only is that the furthest thing from cause in the world, I mean, this guy had legitimate medical issues that he required time off work, but he could get human rights damages uh, as a result of being fired because he had a disability and he was essentially fired because he was disabled. So, you know, you see things all the time where employers take certain positions. It doesn't matter what the employer has to say. What matters is objectively, is there cause or not? So if, if you are terminated, uh, don't just take your employer's word. Seek out uh, legal advice. And with that, we'll take our first short break here, get right back into it. Uh, what is termination for cause? Ridiculous for cause terminations as well. And you want to send along an email. We'd like to get some of those. And, of course, the phone calls. Lines are open, 416-870-6400 on this uh, gray Saturday morning. So give us a call. Lots more coming up here. It's the Employment Law Show with Andrew Goldberg on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome back. Employment Law Show reaching out to Andrew. No problem. Here now. Use the remaining time to uh, to call us and ask a question. 416-870-6400. Lines are open at uh, 921 on your Saturday morning and reaching out after the show. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and one 855 821 5900. We want to make mention as well that anytime you need a, a ton of information and you uh, you haven't picked up a phone, you just have your phone with you, well, go online to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's tons of employment law information there as well. And even a section on disability law because the, uh, the crossover between the two is quite broad. So you'll want to check that out free and anonymous pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But back into it, our. Uh, our discussion on terminations for cause. How many uh, "quote unquote" chances uh, should an employee get? So this is an, an interesting question because this is one of the, one of these questions that we get all the time, where there's no black and white answer, and that's the reality with a lot of these uh, situations involving employment matters. It's really situational, right? So when you say chances, you know what I what I think we're driving at here is. If you do something wrong at work as an employee, or if the employer insists that you're doing something wrong as an employee, it should be communicated to you that you're doing something wrong. You should receive uh, what is typically known as a warning letter in, in, the, in the form of a you know, written warning uh, indicating to you, look, today you did A, B, and C. Uh, these aren't things that the company condones, and we expect that you improve on this and, and no longer conduct yourself this way going forward. And the reason for that is an employee should have the opportunity to act on an employer's criticism of them. I mean, if, if they think they're doing something wrong, then you can't justifiably be fired for cause unless you have the opportunity to rectify the issue. So with respect to how many warnings or how many chances you should get, it really depends on the situation. If It depends how bad the conduct is. I mean, if you you know, use extremely vulgar language in the workplace in front of customers, uh, you know, something very, very bad, you might, you know, a company might get away with less warnings than, you know, if you're three minutes late uh, coming back from lunch, something innocuous like that, that's pretty innocent and, and, and doesn't really negatively affect anyone too badly. So it's really going to depend on the situation. But the key more than anything is the employee should get at least one or two, if not more chances to actually fix the behavior and act on it uh, before the company will have any chance at all to maintain that there is cause for that person's termination. Discussing our chat here about, uh, you know, for cause terminations, does the employer have to build a, uh, a robust case uh, to let someone go for for cause? Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of builds on the last question we discussed, which is in almost every single situation i mean unless what unless the conduct of an employee is so horrible if the employer finds out that the employee has been stealing thousands of dollars from them uh you know for the last six months a year um something very almost criminal you know that that bad that might be the only time an employer can terminate someone's employee without a warning in advance right uh, and, and get away with calling that a for-cause termination. So employers are smart. They know, look, I want to get rid of this employee. I don't want to pay their severance. If I fire them for cause, I could argue that 
they're not owed any severance at all. So what an employer does is they look at it and they say, well, I can't effectively do this unless I start building a paper trail, providing warnings to this person, uh, you know, to rectify their behavior. So that way when I fire them, I could say, look, you have three warnings. I have given you now uh, three warnings in the last six months. Of course, we have cause to terminate your employment. So a lot of people out there, if you notice that your employer is starting to give you warnings and write-ups for things that you've done for years and that all your coworkers do and they haven't been a problem, but now all of a sudden, you're almost getting picked on to a degree. Your managers are looking over your shoulder, watching your every move. You should be concerned. And because what an employer likely is doing there is trying to build a case against you to let go, let, you know, let you go from your employment without giving your severance. So, you know, it could just be little examples. You could, like I said before, if you're a few, few minutes late coming back from lunch, an employer can all of a sudden make a huge fuss about this, like it's the end of the world and give you this warning letter, you're, you know, wasting company time, it's time theft and, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill where there really is none and, and your coworkers around you get away with this all day. So you got to watch out for that if you're an employee in that situation. Um, and, and keep in mind, just because an employer gives you a warning, it doesn't necessarily mean that much if the basis for the warning, if the conduct that you're being alleged of isn't really all that bad. So what it's going to come down to at the end of the day is how bad was your conduct and, you know, did you actually, you know, make the changes in the workplace to improve it? And if not, uh, how many warnings were you given? Roger, thank you uh, for picking up the phone, standing by for a moment. How are you this morning? Very good. Beautiful. What's uh, what's on your mind, brother? So on January 2nd, when this emergency order comes to an end, providing that they do not extend another emergency order, can I go ahead and uh, ask for my severance and terminate my employment? Okay, so hey, Rock. 35 weeks. So... Uh, yeah. Okay. So, are you are you're on a layoff right now? You're not. You're off yeah. work right now, correct? And as of March. Are, as of March. Yeah. Okay. And have you been getting? Uh, do you have health and dental benefits coverage or some kind of disability coverage at work? Anything like that? Yes. And and is that currently going for you right now? Uh, yes. It's they're paying that and they're taking care of that. Yes. Okay. So. What will happen on January 2nd, assuming the emergency order actually comes to an end, uh, the employer might simply take the position that you're now on a regular temporary layoff and because they're continuing your health and dental benefits, they can do so for another 35 weeks and that will take you till September. Now, if you go to your employer and say, hey, uh, you know, I never agreed to this, this emergency order came to an end, I should be getting my severance, they very likely and almost certainly will tell you, well, too bad, now you're on a temporary layoff, a regular one, and that's going to go till September, right? So if that's the case, uh, you know, you need the assistance of a lawyer in that situation, unfortunately, that's the bind they're putting you in, but you would need the assistance of the lawyer, but with, with you know, his or her help, they can certainly pursue a severance package for you in the event you're not recalled to work uh, as you expect to be. Okay, that's great. Okay. That's, that's what I wanted to hear, yes. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate that. If you have any more questions for Andrew, don't uh, don't hesitate to call or reach out. one 821 5900 is the way. You can email as well, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Rick, you're up next. Good morning.
Yes, hi. Good morning. Uh, okay, so in late March of this year, I was laid off uh, due to the pandemic. I did get cut. I did get called back late October, and I've been working ever since. Same, same job, same position. What are my legal rights if they come back in January or February and say, "Oh, we got to lay off again, temporary layoff"? Are they allowed to do that? Hey, Rick. Well, thank you so much for the question. Um, how long have you been working for your employer, approximately? A little over a year. Okay. So here, here's how layoffs work, okay? The vast majority of the time, an employer does not have the right to put an employee on, the, on a layoff, on a temporary layoff. The only way they could ever get that right is if you as an employee... Uh, give them that right through a contract. So when you start your employment, if you signed a, a contract at the beginning that gives the employer the right to put you on a temporary layoff, then they're able to do so, okay? And if that doesn't exist, then the only other way an employer can, you know, obtain the right to put you on a temporary layoff when it wants is by doing so multiple times and you accepting it, you continuing to go back to work, not acting on it, and just going about your business. So the more that you are put on a layoff, return to work, put on another layoff, return to work, an employer is likely going to have a very strong argument that they can now put you on a layoff whenever they want. Okay. So you want to make it very clear if you're put on a layoff again, that you don't agree to the layoff. And, you know, you might have the first time because of, you know, the initial outbreak and, you know, the, the unknown that was, but you can't agree to make this a regular thing. You can't agree to layoffs going forward. So the, the more times that you accept these kinds of things, the, you're going to have problems if you ever want to pursue your severance and say, I, I don't want to accept these anymore. So you just have to keep that in mind if they actually attempt to put you on another layoff there. Okay, so they say they attempt to do that in January. I'm already back. I, I haven't said, okay, well, this is conditional based on what you just said. What happens then? Uh, well, I don't think it's too late because it's only been the one layoff, right? You, I think yeah. as long as you express it at the time of the second one, say, you know, I don't accept this layoff. I don't accept this to be a regular thing. I know it happened once, but this is not something that I'm accepting on a go-forward basis. So I'm not accepting this layoff, and I don't expect that this happens right now, and I don't expect that this happens ever again. And if they say, look, too bad we're doing it, at least you've papered the fact at that point that you don't accept this as a term of your employment, okay? So it's not too late that it's happened once. You're not, it's not a, you know, a deal breaker by any means at this point, but if they did put you on the second layoff and you didn't say anything and you came back to work and they tried a third one, it starts to get worse and worse for your ability to actually pursue a severance. So you kind of want to nip this in the butt now um, before uh, it kind of gets harder for you. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rick. And uh, again, you want to uh, you want to reach out? You can do so. Get a hold of Andrew. It's uh, it's really simple. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll take a short break here. Get right back into more of our topics and your phone calls and ridiculous for cause terminations. We'll discuss that after we come back here. Uh, Employment Law Show with Andrew Goldberg on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Get to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for standing by. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having my question. Um, really short order. I've been working for a company for about 23 years, a large global company. For the past 15, I've been in a sales capacity and been fairly successful. This past year, due to the pandemic, I... I'm still in a sales capacity, but our quotas and our attainment targets have not been adjusted. And subsequently, my concern is that it's because I, I, can't, I can't get out to see customers like I used to, so we're, everyone's adjusting. Challenges, our quotas, our targets haven't changed. So it, it, well, fundamentally, I'm concerned it's setting us up for failure. So subsequently, is that a type of constructive dismissal if they're not making a change in that? And then what, are, what op- options do you have when you get to that point where, because it's in a, a competitive IT industry, so you live and die by your quarter, by your results. And if you're not producing, then you're let go, right? So I'm concerned about that. Okay. So I think that there's kind of almost two separate issues there that are happening at once, okay? So with respect to your claim for constructive dismissal, is that a constructive dismissal because they're not adjusting the quota? most likely it it probably actually would not be constructive dismissal. I mean, if they set your quota at the beginning of the year and or whatever the case might be, if they're setting regular quotas and you're expected to hit certain targets, um, the, the lack of change is not necessarily going to be considered a constructive dismissal because they're not actually changing the terms of your employment at all. That's what a constructive dismissal is, is a situation where the employer is changing the terms of your employment. If they change the quota to make it unachievable from a position it previously was, that could maybe be a constructive dismissal. But the employer's not necessarily going to be to blame uh, because of the market conditions caused by the pandemic. But on the flip side of your question, you know, you mentioned as well that, you know, it's a, you live and die by your quota, by your quarter. And if you don't, you know, hit certain quotas, you're going to be let go. I mean, kind of the inverse of what I just said that works in your favor is if you don't make your quota this quarter, last quarter, this year, whatever's affected, the employer's not going to have just cause to terminate your employment. They can't say, well, your performance was was really bad and that's why we're firing you and you get no severance. Just like the employer can, you know, kind of pass the buck off to the pandemic, so can you. You know, you're not responsible for your decreased numbers. It's just the reality of the economic situation. And you can never be, you know, blamed to the point that they can withhold your severance or anything like that. So I wouldn't be too concerned if they do fire you for cause because your your quotas aren't met. I mean, we certainly would help you out there any day of the week. Okay, that's perfect. And that was where I was going with that was under normal circumstances, if you don't perform and meet where you want to go, that's normally when they say, okay, well, obviously you're not the right fit or this isn't working and that becomes their cause to let you go. That was my concern, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very, very hard to let someone go for cause for performance at all, okay? Um, Because it's not necessarily a malicious thing. It's not, you know, you're not necessarily stealing from the company, harassing people, mistreating people. Performance is a hard thing to, to ever fire someone for cause for, and it's going to be nearly impossible when you know you're not really inherently doing anything yourself to cause the reduced uh, 
kind of, I guess, performance in the sense that you're not meeting your quotas. So I certainly wouldn't be uh, overly concerned if the employer does take the position that they have cause to terminate you again. You know, that's a case that I'd have zero problem helping you out with any day of the week. So, you know, you never know what position the employer is going to take. Employers often take very dumb positions all the time, but you can rest assured knowing that like we're here to help if, if that's the road they go down and that's what you end up facing. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. Reaching out again. I'll give you the number as I have throughout the morning. And here it is, 1-855-821-5900. That is how you reach out to Andrew and the rest of the team. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Some ridiculous for-cause terminations. The employer changes performance targets and then fires the employee for bad performance. Easy, Grinch. Hey, well, it's very actually fitting for uh, Lisa, who just called in to discuss yeah. something very similar there. So it's a good timing for this question. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you're expected to maintain uh, certain targets and hit certain targets in your performance, you know, wh whether it be a number of sales or revenue achieved or income achieved, whatever, and that's been consistent throughout a certain period of time, and all of a sudden your employer says, uh, well, now we want you to double it arbitrarily, and that's an impossible uh, target to achieve. If the employer tries to fire you for not hitting this, you know, all of a sudden uh, heightened performance target, there's no chance that that will be held up as a for-cause termination. You definitely did not do anything wrong in that case, and you were just set up for failure. We're talking about ridiculous for-cause terminations. Here's another one for you. Got a couple of minutes before we have to break. An employee did not provide a medical update from their doctor the very same day they were asked to provide one. Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Are you yeah, I know. I mean, and you'd be surprised. This is the kind of stuff that actually happens. I, you know, we talk about these stories, and you just you would like to think that this can't be real. I mean, if you are off work, uh, and you have a medical problem and you're off work and, uh, you know, your employer says, well, we need a medical note and you're still sick or you're still unwell or you can't get another doctor's appointment at that time to get the note. Uh, the fact that you didn't get the note right away when it was requested is never going to be, uh, you know, the basis of a for-cause termination. You shouldn't even be disciplined at all. And frankly, if you are, if that could be considered a human rights violation because they have the right, you know, the obligation to accommodate you if you're unwell and shouldn't be kind of all over you at a point where you're vulnerable and have health issues and just should focus on recovering. I mean, as long as you provide the medical note at some point, there's no real difference to the employer. They're just being a pain for the sake of it. And again, like the, this is going to just be a joke if, if this is something the employer tries to rely on. Let's take that short break. Got a couple calls lining up, so we will uh, we'll get to those. I see you there, David. Stand by. You are up next. 416-870-6400 is the way to call through. It is the Employment Law Show with Andrew Goldberg right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to Employment Law Show. Andrew Goldberg is your guy. 416-870-6400. Not wasting any time. Right into it. Dave, thanks for, uh, thanks for standing by. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, good you morning bet. to you, Eddie. 
Um, I'll give you a, just a quick uh, synopsis. So I received uh, uh, last week a letter from uh, my uh, HR employer. Uh, I, I am currently off on uh, disability, long-term disability, and have been for a number of years. Uh, but in the letter, uh, they reached out to me after um, uh, some, uh, some time, uh, had never communicated to me um, in, the, in the previous uh, past, and basically uh, gave me an option. They said that I had uh, frustrated uh, the contract with the employer, and as such, uh, they, they were uh, going to uh, terminate my employment uh, within approximately 30 days. They gave a specific date. Uh, or uh, the other option uh, in the letter was that I uh, need to get a hold of the HR department and um, obviously make arrangements uh, for me to get back, basically to get back to work. Um, and I'm having a huge problem uh, with the whole uh, context and content of what's happening here. Um, can you shed some light on that, uh, Eddie? Yeah, hi, Dave. Uh, okay, so you actually raise a, an interesting point, and this comes up way more often than you think, okay? So frustration of contract, that's what your employer is attempting to rely upon, okay? Something you need to understand very quickly is, uh, you know, if you're fired from your job, you get severance, okay? If you quit your job, you don't get severance, okay? You quitting is a choice that you make. Uh, you being fired is a choice that the company makes. Frustration is almost a middle ground. No one, what, what frustration is, and, and this exists as a concept, so they're not just making it up, is a situation where you cannot do your job anymore, not because of anything you've done, not because of anything the employer's done, but just due to unforeseen you know, external forces. And where this comes up most often is your situation, a situation where someone has medical issues, has been off work for a period of years, and they are unreasonably uh, going to return to work in the foreseeable future. So if, if you fit that mold, if, if you've been off work for a, a while and it's safe to say that you're not going to return to work for the foreseeable future, they actually have a, could have an argument that your contract is frustrated. So they're not really terminating your employment. They're just saying, look, you have this medical issue. It's not your fault. It's not our fault. And, uh, but you know, you can't, you obviously can't do the job anymore. It's been a while and it'll continue to be a while. So it seems based on your medical, uh, you know, it's possible that, you know, this, this contract's just frustrated, which means it's over right now. Um, the, sorry, go ahead. The interesting point, Eddie, was that um, they indicated uh, uh, very vaguely that they had medical uh, information, which I know uh, it does not exist. There is uh, no medical information uh, that I am aware of at any time and point uh, that indicates that uh, I, I cannot go back to work. Uh, okay. I, I feel deep down that you know, I should be able to go back to work in the future, obviously, in the future. But they've indicated that they've got this medical information, which clearly is untrue. Is that just a game that they're playing, perhaps? Well, I mean, so here's a couple points. Number one, you know, this kind of analysis is going to be very detailed and specific on, you know, what is going on in your particular situation. So the first thing I'll say is, 
if, if you before you respond to your employer, it might be a good idea to give us a call and actually set up a, you know, a consultation with one of our lawyers to discuss, you know, your options and what you can do and what you can't do. But if you want to remain kind of uh, employed but not working, you know, what you'd have to do generally is get some information from your doctor saying, look, you know, he can't work right now because of his medical issues. Clearly, if you're on LTD, long-term disability, you're not able to work. That's why you're getting the long-term disability coverage. But, you know, it's possible that, you know, with continued treatment, if he continues to comply with his rehabilitation program, it is certainly possible that he may return to work in the future. Uh, you know, he'll continue to be reassessed. You need some medical information from your doctor establishing that. But again, that's going to be entirely up to your doctor. Your doctor is the only trained professional here to make that kind of uh, conclusion, okay? So... Anyway, we shouldn't get in like the complete weeds of your situation now. It would be probably more fitting if you did give us a call. We'd be happy to speak to you and discuss, uh, you know, your options going forward. Appreciate the call, David. You want to call Andrew? No problem. It's one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's uh, still got a couple minutes, a few minutes to go here. We'll get to uh, to Peter. Hi, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. What is happening? Well, uh, I'm working for a company. I'm a super of a building. And when I got the job, he told me it would be rent-free, right? But yet still on my pay stub, I'm paying the government tax. On the, my pay stub on the left, on the bottom, I'm paying 135 every two weeks. And on the top right hand, it's showing that I'm paying uh, 300 and, uh, 304 bucks every two weeks. So that total like four six hundred eight bucks. But and I called the IRS and I spoke to someone. They said to be paying that kind of money, your rent has to be at least three thousand five hundred. Is that a fair deal? Well, Peter, were you? Did you just start with this uh, company in this job? Yeah, I started about this uh, about working there about let's say almost nine months. And have you been charged this amount the entire time? Yes, uh, yes. Okay, and when they communicated to you at the beginning that uh, you would not be charged for rent, did they do that in yeah. writing or was it all verbally? Uh, verbally. Okay, so, you know, the the hard part is that as time goes on, I agree, if that was the, the deal they made and the deal was, no, you would not be paying, you know, rent tax or whatever they're putting in your contract, I mean, essentially what this is is, they're giving you a pay cut in so many words. They're just saying whatever they want to call it, you know, you were entitled to a certain amount of dollars when they hired yeah. you, but now they're just reducing it by $680, right? So, and that wasn't what was agreed upon. The problem though is as time goes on and you continue to accept this amount, they can make, they can maybe make the argument that like, look, okay, you know, how is he going to tell us that he never agreed to this? It's been almost a year now and you know, he's just accepted it and moved forward, right? So, you know, if, if it is a, a concern to you and you're not happy in your position uh, with that rate of pay, you know, feel free to, you know, give us a call and, and John will, will pop you the number in a second here and you can talk about different strategies uh, with respect to what, what to do in your situation, how to communicate it to your employer and kind of, 
what avenues you have because there is a possibility that you can treat your employment as being terminated because they're changing the terms of your contract on you to your you know detriment right but the longer time yeah. goes on and you continue to accept this uh it, it's going to become an issue right so you kind of have to deal with it sooner than later i know but um i was i, I tried the mp i tried the irs i call the head office and there's no one there qualified to give me a proper answer. I've been doing research on this for like almost the time I'm working there. You well, understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I you know. I couldn't get the right person to talk to. I've been trying to find your number for the longest while, and now I just switch on the radio and I heard you, and they say, let me give you a call. Yeah, no, I gotcha. So, unfortunately, we don't have all the information with us now. In order for us to help you, you know, in, in the best way we can, I need to see all your documents. I need to see these pay stubs, see what's going on. So give us a call. We'll help you out. No problem. Thanks, Peter. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will wrap it for there. You want to get a hold of Andrew, a member of the team, do so. Don't hesitate. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Help at EmploymentLawyer.ca. And the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.